An estimated 99% of people who have a problem with eating gluten don't even know it. They ascribe their ill health or symptoms to something else, not gluten sensitivity, which is 100% curable. Dr. Mark Hyman. When I discovered my food sensitivities in 2009 and stopped eating those foods, I was like a balloon that had been popped and the weight just started melting off of me. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. Hey, it's Dr. Kieran here for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution with Dr. Kieran. I'm so grateful that you chose to join me again today. Welcome back. I want to give a shout out to Amy Carlson, who wrote a review. She said, all in one space and five stars. What great topics to learn how to heal our bodies naturally. Thank you for giving this arena such a great voice. Thank you, Amy, so much for your review and for listening. Listening. We greatly appreciate your reviews because they help other women to find us. That's right. iTunes pushes out podcasts to people who have a lot of ratings and reviews. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, if you've learned something from it, if it has supported you or nurtured you in any way, we'd be so grateful if you would go to iTunes and write a review because it helps other women find us. So thank you, Amy, for writing that review. So maybe you've heard that gluten or cow's milk dairy could be the root cause of your health problems, but your doctor said that wasn't true, so you let it go and you've continued to suffer. Maybe you heard this information and stopped eating gluten and dairy for a period of time, but didn't get the resolution in your symptoms enough that you were convinced, so you added them back. Or maybe you still don't eat them, but continue to have health problems, so you really doubt that this is the case. And I'm talking about food sensitivities today. Bottom line, you need more information about exactly what food sensitivities are, how to know what food sensitivities you do have that are affecting your health, and how to integrate this into your health support and healing regimen. Today we are talking about food sensitivities. What's the difference between a sensitivity and an allergy to a food anyway? How do you know if you have them? What testing options are available? How are they treated? What do foods you're sensitive to do in your body that actually cause ill health and weight gain? Will I have to be off foods I'm sensitive to forever? And the dramatic shifts that can occur with your health when you find the foods you're sensitive to and remove them from your diet. It happened to me when I learned about these tests at a functional medicine conference back in 2009. I discovered the 40 plus foods I was sensitive to after I did the testing and I removed them from my diet. It was like a balloon popped 
and the weight just started melting off of me and my health improved equally as rapidly. No other test I did improved my health as much as food sensitivity testing. I'm telling you, you got to know about this and take advantage of this. If you're seeking healing and health optimization, then you definitely want to take advantage of the healing opportunity that discovering your food sensitivities offers. My guest today is a functional diagnostic testing expert and has helped thousands of clients to heal, and now he trains health coaches. I'll tell you a little bit more about him, and then we'll get started. Reed Davis is a holistic health practitioner, certified nutritional therapist, and an expert in functional lab testing and holistic lifestyle medicine. His mission is to educate as many people as possible about how to get well and stay well naturally so that they in turn may educate others. Reed is the founder of Functional Diagnostic Nutrition and the FDN certification course, which educates practitioners in using functional tests and holistic lifestyle medicine to help people heal the root cause of disease. Reed served as the health director and case manager at the Better Health and Wellness Center in Southern California for over 10 years and now has over 3,000 graduates of his functional diagnostic nutrition course in 50 countries. Worldwide, Reed is known as one of the most experienced clinicians, having provided functional lab assessments to over 10,000 clients. Reed is also a clinical advisor for biohealth laboratories and lives in the U.S., teaching the FDN certification course and mentoring practitioners who serve others seeking healing and health optimization. Welcome, Reed. Reed, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Very excited to talk with you about food sensitivities. I get a lot, lot of questions from people on food sensitivities. What are they? How do I know if I have them? They say I stopped eating gluten for a month and I don't notice any difference. What testing is available? And they're not hearing about this at their regular doctor's office. So some people tend to poo-poo it, but... You know, Mark Hyman is quoted as saying that 99% of people's health problems probably has some food sensitivity at its root. And so really, it's something that you've got to address. And so why why is it something you're so passionate about? Well, thanks so much, Dr. Karen, for having me here. And I'm passionate because my job is to help people. And typically, people come to a health coach like me, and I teach a course in health coaching because they've been to regular doctors and haven't gotten results. So matter of fact, one of the things I noticed early on was most of our patients coming in our clinic had already seen five or eight or even more practitioners. And so food sensitivity testing loomed very large. And we ran every kind of food sensitivity testing there is and all kinds of people. And it resolved a lot of problems or to the degree that food sensitivities were part of their problem is the degree to which they improved their overall health. And I can tell you story after story of how that, looking backwards, that one test we ran on foods, boy, that was really the the key element, getting a person off those foods. I'll have to affirm that because even with my health journey, I had weighed 243 pounds and had all kinds of chronic illnesses. And all the things that I did helped move my health forward. But when I did the food sensitivity test and I removed the foods that I was sensitive to, it literally was like I was a balloon and had gotten popped and the weight just started melting off 
of me. And so, and my health rapidly improved. So I think hands down, that was the number one change that I made was removing sensitive foods from my diet in terms of improving my health. So I have to affirm that. So how might someone suspect or know that they have a food sensitivity. Well, let's back up. What's the difference between a sensitivity and an allergy to a food? An allergy is something that your physician may have already figured out. It's what's called an IgE, immunoglobulin E reaction. So this is a true allergy. It's whatever it is, if it's a dog or a cat and the dander makes you sneeze, your eyes water, you start sniffling or something like that, that's an automatic allergy. Same thing could occur with uh, rashes on your skin or even a migraine headache or some other kind of a complaint that you have that's immediate after eating or consuming that food or being exposed to that allergen, an allergen. Again, most people have figured those out because they know every time they eat strawberries, they get a rash or something. Sensitivities are different. They're different ways that that constituent, an antigen, can sort of tick off your immune system. And the reactions can be very delayed. So you need different testing methods for different types of sensitivities. And so there's quite a few. Very interesting. Yeah. So those different branches of the immune system. And I always like to help people understand that the food sensitivities can be masked. So it's not like removing one food. It's going to tell you you were sensitive. You really need to get a comprehensive evaluation as to all the foods and remove them. And it's different because they're typically not immediately life-threatening, but they're less severe, but more chronic and delayed. And so I know that the answer to this, but you are a proponent of of testing for food sensitivities. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's people that learn about food sensitivities and they try to go through these food elimination diets and they're very they're very frustrating because again the sensitivities as you mentioned are delayed. So you might say, "Well, I'm not going to eat something for a few days and see how I feel." And because the reaction is so delayed, you really just can't put two and two together. Right. If it was a true allergy, yeah, you'd probably be able to do that. Right. And so testing is is really key. And I do find that people are very frustrated with the food elimination diets. You know, the most, what's your favorite food elimination diet? How do you explain to people what they have to do? <laughs> it's uh, corn, soy, dairy, gliadin and eggs are top big five. So corn, soy, dairy, gliadin, which is the protein in wheat. So basically all greens. And then of course, eggs. Now these are big. After that, you started getting into things like the nightshades, peppers and potatoes and eggplant and the nightshade, especially tomatoes. I've seen tomatoes just really ruin a person's life. But again, these are pretty frustrating and you can get off the foods and not necessarily feel better or very much better because those aren't the right foods or they're only contributing a little bit to the, again, the chaos, which downstream produces your symptoms. I'll tell you a really quick story, Doc. I had a client whose main complaint was migraines. I'm talking about the kind where five days a week, she's in a dark room with a pillow over for her head and couldn't work. And she really couldn't afford to hire a health coach or run any testing. So I basically gave her just this one test. It's our, it's our major screening. It's called the mediated release test for food sensitivities. She identified a number of foods, got off all those foods, and within a couple weeks was calling me saying, Reed, I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. I haven't had a migraine in two weeks. I've only had a couple regular headaches, and they went away with aspirin. 
Now, I'm not a person who thinks headaches are normal either, and I don't think taking aspirin is a good idea. But at least that was a huge improvement for her. And again, she was, wasn't working. She wasn't really hiring me. I was just kind of doing something nice for somebody, which is always a good thing to do. And she called me a couple of weeks later, I mean, a couple of months later, and she said, Reed, this is amazing. And I thought, oh, no, something's happened. She said that she figured out what one of her triggers was. She'd been to church. She'd taken communion. And in that church, they used regular little pieces of bread for the communion. And so she went home that afternoon and had a migraine. So that's how sensitive a person could be, one little tiny thing that she'd been off of, and the kind of triggering that can go on. And I've got a lot of stories like that with just how, boy, you get off the, the wrong foods, the foods that are wrong for you, it might be fine for your kid or your husband or the neighbor, but they're just wrong for you. And they can trigger events and cascades in your body. It's remarkable how it works. It is remarkable. And I love that story because it's so dramatic how the improvement that people see when they get off foods they're sensitive to. And then you can really convince yourself because if you do come in contact with it, like she did at communion, sometimes it's so dramatic that you get it right away. But it's almost like you got to see it to believe it. And before then, you kind of have to trust your practitioner to educate you on foods you're sensitive to and do the appropriate testing. And so you mentioned the tests that you like. Talk about the different methods of testing and what are some of the pros and cons? Well, sure. Again, say, say if it been ruled out by an allergist, uh, it's not an IgE allergy. That's the only test that they like to run according to the Allergist Association of America and these different MD groups and things. They, they approve of that. And, and if you're having a bad skin or one of these things that seems to be food-related, they will run that test. But there's all kinds of other ways. Again, there's other parts of the immune system that you can really upset and it will cascade downstream and result in some kind of a symptom somewhere. So we look at anyone, anyone with a health problem, anyone with something about the way you look or the way you feel that you'd like to change. If you feel bad or you look bad, in your opinion, you want to improve it. There's a lot of things that could be in the mix. And you should never, don't forget about foods because what do we do? I mean, what is one of the most consequential things we do? It's eat. I mean, you're made of food and there's no one right diet that's for everybody. There's some foods that are bad for everybody, sugar and so on, but there's no really right food that's right for every person on the planet. It'd be silly to think so. And so then these foods, now Mike Hyman, who you mentioned, he said that food sensitivities are the causal factor in many, 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 many cases. And that's true. But they also will, they might not be the cause, but they're a contributor to it. So it might have been some other cause, but then your body can become more and more sensitive and it becomes more and more sensitive to certain foods. And so there's the IgE testing, there's IgA, IgM and the IgE, which is the allergies we talked about. And then there's even another way to look at these uh, food sensitivities. We call it the mediated release test. So if you are exposing your blood, so you get some blood drawn and you send it into the lab, and they expose little bits of the blood, you have to give them enough to test 170 different foods. Now for a pediatric panel, it's, it's, it's harder to get that much blood from, say, an eight-year-old, you do less. You could do a pediatric panel, maybe 88 foods. But it will expose your blood to these little tiny antigens, and 
again, this is where specificity and sensitivity of the test comes in. So if your blood starts to release little chemicals that are in it, they're called cytokines and there's granulocytes and leukocytes and, and you just start releasing it out of the butt. Well, you know that that would cause inflammation in your body and it can gradiate it. So I don't mean to get too technical, but you can run a test and we call it a screening. So it's a screening for foods. Get off those foods. They are contributing to metabolic chaos in your body. Now, we don't know how much this is going to help you. We don't know how much those sensitivities are causing the problem, but they're usually part of the mix. And so what I would say about, and this is a good thing to remember about testing, Kieran, is that looking backwards, man, there's so many case after case after cases that that was the test. I mean, boy, thank God we ran that test. But looking forward, it's hard to predict, you know, who it's going to help the most. And that's why we call it a screening. We just screen everybody. If you're sick, something about the, serious about the way you look or feel you want to change, why wouldn't you include a food sensitivity testing? Now, you asked about which type. So that mediated release test is a big screening. With little kids, if you're trying to test a two-year-old, you're not going to be able to do that test. You might use a finger stick test where you can just poke their finger and they might cry a bit, but you, you drip the blood out onto a blotter and you send it in as a dried blood spot. So that could test up to 96 different foods. That's an IgG test. It's only looking at one of the immunoglobulins, but it's a good one. It's a delayed reaction test. That's for delayed reactions. And once again, you always have to consider that you could get them off those foods and that could be the magic knock it out of the park trick, or it could, it could just be a little bit better because it's not the only thing contributing to their unwanted condition. So there's the, the immediate release, there's the IgG. Now there's a saliva test that's very easy to collect at home and not even as, as invasive as a finger stick. That's an IgA test. Now I love IgA, immune, uh, secretory IgA is one of the most abundant immune defenses in your whole body. It's usually associated with gut problems. So if you have problems with digestion and assimilation and you have overgrowth of bacteria and virus, you know, all kinds of things, biofilms and stuff in the gut, you could have leaky gut, you know, so it's part of the milieu. It's part of the, again, metabolic chaos. Getting off those foods could be very helpful. So there's the IgG, the IgA. There are now combined antibody serum tests, IgA plus IgM plus IgG for a wide range of foods and and things that might go down the pipes, including food colorings and food additives and uh, spices even. So it's really remarkable the level of technology, especially compared to 20 years ago when I started testing and what's available now. It's gotten very sophisticated. Hey, have you been feeling anxious about the current climate and new risks to your health? And wondering if your overall level of health is good enough to support you if you were to get sick? You are not alone. Now more than ever, your health has got to be brilliant, support you, and shine. It's time to stop procrastinating on getting the evaluation, knowledge, tools, and support that you know you need to address the roots of what's going wrong with your health, keeping you tired, overweight, lacking in stamina, and on prescription medications. That is just not good enough anymore. New threats mean you've got to develop a better defense. 
and I'm here to help. I personally invite you to schedule a complimentary phone consultation with me wherever you live to discuss your personal health concerns and how a comprehensive holistic root cause approach can help you not only alleviate the current symptoms you're having, but also boost your level of health resilience. It's all about resilience now. You can sign up on my website, kierandunstonmd.com, where there's additional information about supercharging your wellness during this important time in our history. The other thing I have to say here is that so far so good. You, you, you're familiar with all those, of course. Oh, yeah. And I think it's great, the information you're offering. So please go ahead. No, good. Thank you. So remember what I said. So you can run a food sensitivity test. And I think if you have a problem and you want to get over it, you want to just improve. You don't want to just keep taking drugs or uh, pounding down the supplements to knock down the inflammation or these sort of uh, patchwork type of therapies. You really want to get to the underlying causes and conditions. You have to look at all the factors that are involved in that chaos in your body. So if you run a food sensitivity test and you get off those foods, which is pretty easy to do, you just eat the ones that it says you're okay to eat. Like as a side note, that mediated release test for 170 foods, no one eats that many foods. You might eat 30 foods or 40 foods, but that's going to be the most variety anyone gets. And so if out of those 40 foods you eat, you eliminate, have to eliminate 10. Well, it's going to tell you another 130 or 40 that you can eat. Look, here's the green one. We could, they're color-coded. So we say, look, eat the green foods. Just stay, don't worry about what you can't eat. Focus on shopping and cooking and you know, preparing what you can eat, what, it, what the test says you're not sensitive to. So let's say you do that and you feel a little better, but there's still some things going on. Well, you might start paying attention to other ways your body is absorbing or being exposed to stuff it doesn't like, like food sensitivities. You could have sensitivities to your personal care products. You could have the same kind of sensitivities to your household cleaning products. You can definitely have the same sensitivities to new furniture that's outgassing, or even just if you just had a room painted, or if you've been out in the garage uh, working on your car, or or various activities. So you start to pay more attention when you do some of this functional laboratory work. I think that's critical is getting people to pay attention. Yeah, it is. And and you bring up a great point that it's not only foods we're sensitive to, but environmental chemicals that are contributing to our health conditions. And I talk all the time about these toxins and what they're doing to us. The foods are important because what happens when your immune system is, a, is attacking these foods is that it's creating inflammation in the gut. And for me, and I think for most functional practitioners, the gut really is the center of health. It's where health is created or destroyed Mm -hmm. primarily. And so can you help people understand what's going on when they are sensitive to these foods, not allergic, not an IgE response? What's happening in their gut? And then how does that affect their health? Well, it definitely changes the environment in the gut. And the environment there is very, very important. There's a lot of living organisms in the gut that are called friendly flora. So the, there's friendly bacteria, which helps you break down and absorb nutrition. The whole idea of the gut is eating and assimilating food and protecting you from what's going down the pipes, like germs. Like you're going to eat germs. You're going to eat all kinds of things. 
and your body is naturally prepared to defend against that. That's why you see that the gut is a big part of your immune system. It's been said, I think Dr. Hyman says it's like 80% of your immune system. Well, your skin would also be part of it. Your skin, you know, if you get germs on your skin, you're pretty well, you're okay for a while. And you'll, you know, keep it clean. But if you, when you swallow things, there's what's called the mucosal barrier. It's like the inside skin. And it's mostly, it's not so much a thick skin like this. It's only one cell, the epithelial cells. Uh, it's one layer of cells deep, but it produces these immunoglobulins and other defense molecules. And so if you're eating foods, or let's say you take antibiotics and you, you upset the microbiome, you know, this ecology that's living and going on inside you that all works together to break down and assimilate food, and also works together to protect you from germs and other unwanted inhabitants, you can start to ruin the ecology. It's just like your backyard. If you let the weeds start growing, pretty soon the weeds take over. And then you can't see the pretty flowers and you don't get any enjoyment out of it. And it's like that with your with your gut. And so again, it just gets worse from there. But you need to keep maintain good, healthy gut ecology. Right. And the food sensitivity testing is a way to at least eliminate those things that are uh, ruining the ecology. Yes, and I just want to point out a lot of people, the first thing they want to know when they find out what foods they're sensitive to, am I going to be sensitive to these foods forever? And how did I become sensitive to them. What do you tell people about that? That's a really good question, you know, and let's look at these. Uh, a lot of times we don't use the word food sensitivities. What we say is oral intolerance, oral intolerance. So it may not be the immune system. There are certain ways that your body would sort of reject you eat, it doesn't like the idea of you eating that because you don't have the enzymes. Again, there's this ecology, and some people just don't produce the enzymes from the brush border to break down those foods. So you can have a neural intolerance. It has nothing to do with the immune system. It could just be that your body doesn't like to break it down and absorb it. So it causes problems in elimination. People get diarrhea, people get constipation, they get heartburn, gas, indigestion, bloating, and so on and so on. Just uncomfortable after eating certain foods. So that's an oral intolerance of one kind. Like like lactose intolerance, right? Exactly. Yeah, because you don't have any lactase to break it down. Right. Lactase can be produced in, in the villi, the little tiny hairs, the brush border, actually. And if you're not making that real well, you can't digest dairy. And that would include cheese and ice cream and lots of fun stuff to eat. So... You find something else to enjoy as you little snack or treat. <laughs> There's so many products now that are non-dairy alternatives that you can have that same enjoyment of ice cream without the cow's milk. And you can have it with coconut milk or made with cashew milk or some other kind of nut or plant-based milk. And so if you're cow's milk, dairy sensitive, then you can avoid that. So there are lots of alternatives. Absolutely. And so you really won't be missing out on much and you'll be happier for it. And then guess what? Now your body can get a chance to repair and rebuild. You you, you have to maintain a strong, you called it the mucosal barrier. That's that inside skin that uh, is supposed to allow food, nutrients, and little tiny properly broken down particles from food to come in. That's your proteins, fats, and carbohydrates. These get broken down starting with chewing and mixing with saliva, and then they go into the stomach, and they get a lot of acid and pepsin and things that start breaking it down even more. And by the time your food passes into the small intestine, 
it's still not done. There's still the bile and the lipases and the other enzymes that are produced there in a good, healthy, ecologically sound gut. This starting off with the duodenum, you know, the, the first part of the small intestine, and then food will continue to pass along and be and be absorbed properly. Now you need those proteins. That's full of amino acids. You need those fats, your essential fatty acids. You need all the phytonutrients too. You need your vitamins and your minerals and your antioxidants. And most of that's supposed to come from food. You can take supplements, but you can only supplement. You can't really supplement your way to health. You have to eat your way to health and digest and absorb and assimilate. So the mucosal barrier, a healthy one, will allow those good things in. And also they'll be properly broken down, those proteins, properly broken down by the that microbiome and uh, other constituents in the gut. So that's, I think, where food sensitivities start. You upset there, again, heavy use of antibiotics, or maybe you got an infection that left the gut trashed a little bit, and food sensitivities start to loom larger. Because we find people, some people maybe eight or six or 10 food sensitivities. Others have 40. Now, you know that's a person who's been sick for a long time. That alone, even just the sheer number of sensitivities, can tell you something about a person. Oh, boy, a lot of work to do here, a lot of repair work. And because the question you ask is about, will I be off this forever? With most people, we find that as they get off the fist so you can get back to normal, you're probably also going to have to do good look for pathogens. There's bacterial overgrowth, there's yeast overgrowth. There's just intestinal bacteria that doesn't belong there. Sometimes you might have to chase that away or make the environment very uh, exclusive. You can chase those things away, just put it that way. Start to restore normal uh, circulation and a good production of these enzymes and things. And then the food sensitivities will be diminished. Your body's, you, and you can reintroduce some foods after, say, about three months. 90 days is our typical period when we might start challenging if it's a food you really miss. Now, if something, you know, if you had to switch from asparagus to broccoli and you're and you like broccoli, then you don't need the asparagus anymore. But if it's really something you miss, you could reintroduce it. And it might be that if you just rotate it, like don't eat it more than once a week, you could do okay. So that's the good news. Yeah, I, I always use the three strikes you're out rule with the food sensitivities. If it comes up on testing, eliminate it for three to six mm-hmm. months, depending on what else is going on. And then we might try reintroducing it in a certain way. And if you react, then we would eliminate it again and then for three to six months. And then the third time, if you react, it's probably something that you're not going to be able to eat in the long term. Although I've had myself and some clients who it took two years while we were cleaning up other health issues, including the gut, for their gut to come back to normal. And then they could re-add some foods. And then there's some foods I find that certain people might be able to eat. Like I can eat gluten about once every three months I save it for non-bread because, you know, I love Indian food and not have a problem. But if I eat it more often than that, then I'm going to have a serious problem. And so Mm -hmm. some a lot of food sensitivities go away. You're not necessarily born with them, but some of them may be with you longer than others. So I think that we have really given people a great idea of, you know, what the problem is, um, that they're not going to hear about this at their regular doctor or allergist office. They're just going to get 
get skin tested for IgE, true allergies that can like shellfish where your throat could swell up and close or you could die. What testing options are available? And there are like there are myriad testing options that are easily done with finger sticks, saliva or blood. It's very treatable. And I think that you've also helped people understand that it's a component of a comprehensive approach to root cause resolution of health issues. So we don't mean by any means to say that you do this one thing and you don't fix anything else and you remove the food you're sensitive to and your health is going to be perfect. But it, like the example you gave of the woman with the headaches, it can be dramatic, very dramatic. So I thank you for sharing this information. What last thoughts would you like to leave everyone with about food sensitivities? If again, if there's, if there's something about the way you look or the way you feel that you want to change and you're willing to do a little bit of work, you don't want to leave out food sensitivities. These are oral intolerances or food sensitivities that are contributing to the chaos going on in your body that is causing those symptoms to appear. The symptoms are not the problem. And you can take something to make them go away, like aspirin for a headache, but they're not normal and there is an underlying cause. And so all things being equal, don't forget food sensitivity testing. Yeah, I love that. The symptoms are not the problem. You know, it's just, it's an indicator of where you need to look. And thank you so much for the information that you've shared. It's very much appreciated. How can people find out more about the work that you do and where they can get more help? Well, thank you. Yeah, go to FBN. It stands for Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. That's the course that it teaches. It's fdn.pub, P-U-B, that's in publishing, fdn.pub slash Dunstan, which is your last name. So fdn.pub slash Dunstan. And uh, be happy to have some visitors there. Yes, we look forward to people coming and visiting and checking out. You train health coaches. I know you've helped thousands of people one-on-one -on -one with the work that you've done, and now you train the people who help people. So if you are someone who's a health coach or you're interested in becoming a health coach, and I know people who've gone through this type of functional health coaching training just to help themselves and their families, not because they wanted to do it as a career. They just wanted a deeper dive. So if that interests you, please look up Reed and see all that he has to offer. And the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health Revolution. I'm wondering if you could share what that means to you. Yeah, uh, Her Brilliant Health Revolution mm -hmm. is about taking responsibility for yourself. And it's fine to go to a doctor. If you're coughing up blood, if you're uh, just really up against it and you need some immediate attention, go to the best place for that. You need attendant care. You need heroic intervention to get you out of the woods. Once you're out of the woods, so once you start feeling better, how about building that immune system up, you know, by eating right and going to bed on time and getting some exercise and reducing stress and maybe taking a few supplements. Work on your health. That's the revolution is people taking responsibility for themselves. I love that. Yes, it is. Her Brilliant Health is about taking responsibility for yourself and doing what you can do to move your health forward. Thank you so much, Reed, for joining us today. Hopefully you've heard some information here today that has helped intrigue, intrigue you into food sensitivities and you will do more investigating in what foods you're sensitive to. Hopefully you will seek out some testing and 
and remove the foods you're sensitive to. I would always start with gluten and dairy because they are high, highly inflammatory and um, you're very likely to be sensitive to do- those. And again, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, check out Read for more information and I uh, hope you'll join us in the next episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, Post it on your social media and tag me. I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.